0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. We are going to launch this morning into a brand new series of messages, and I cannot wait to reveal to you what the title of this series is. Because it's, it's a little bit Bible study and it's a little bit true confessions, okay? Um, but we're going to, for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, launching out on a series of messages that we've entitled, or I have entitled, I've Got Issues. How many of you can identify with that statement? I've got issues. We've all got issues, don't we? We've, so for the next the next three weeks, we're going to be discussing the issue that nobody's perfect nobody's perfect life's not perfect for any of us you may, you may come in and out of this place every week and you may see certain individuals and you may have surmised in your mind uh, or in your thoughts that those individuals have it all together that, you know, they just come in they look like Warden June when they hit the door and, you know, they've got Beave and everybody with them and they're coming in and it just, they're just so together I realize that I'm getting old when I start referencing things and it goes over a lot of people Do, do y'all know who Ward and June are? Okay They're the Cleavers if you've never met them Okay, alright but, but anyway, <clears throat> so I've got, I got to watch that But life's not perfect for any of us Family is not perfect for any of us. We've none arrived at that utopia that prevents challenges and difficulties from coming into our lives. The truth of the matter is this that we're all marred vessels with weaknesses and shortcomings. And we all have those places in this life that we need to more heavily and more readily rely on the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to see us through. We all have those places in our lives. Now, years ago, John Ortberg wrote a book. I love the the title. I've never actually read the book, but I've always been intrigued with the title. It says this. It says, everybody's normal the subtitle of that same book is Until You Get to Know Them. Right? So everybody's normal until you get to know them. And just like we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, I'm not saying this in a judgmental sense, but you don't have to look very far, as we saw by show of hands this morning, to find somebody who's got some real issues in life. Some things that they're battling through, some things that they're struggling with. From the looks of it, you, you may have been sure that they had it all together. As, as, but as, you be, as they begin to confide in you and you begin to learn more about them, you find out that, hey, they've got problems too. They've got problems just like I do, things that are common to us. And can I tell you that for me to find somebody who has issues, I need look no further than directly in my mirror. That guy that greets me every morning, has issues. He's got things that that he needs the grace of God to be powerful and and be evidenced in and to, to see him through and to undergird him as he walks through those things. Don't you wish sometimes that it was as simple as coming to an altar? That if we could just If we could just come to the altar and we could cry out to God for our lives to be changed, and then in a moment, in an instant, maybe everything around you wasn't perfect, but when you got up, you were. Wouldn't you like that? How many of you were alarmed to learn of your imperfections after you came to faith in Christ? So you just, you knew that you were going to pray the prayer and, and you know, the word says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. And you just knew that all of those faults and all of those failures and all of those insecurities, they were just gone. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just come and knelt down and all of our old habits were gone? If we just came and knelt down and all of our insecurities were gone. All of our struggles were gone. All of our negative tendencies were just gone. They were wiped away. And we were just perfect. But we're not. We're not. Sadly, that's not the way it works. For us, sadly, but graciously, though, the Holy Spirit has a process. The Lord has a process. And that process is that we may come and we may devote our lives to Christ and we may, as we say, give our hearts to Him. And we're going to stand up from that place and we're still going to be imperfect and we're still going to be flawed and we're still going to be weak and broken. But little by little, the Holy Spirit begins to put his hand, his finger on things in our lives and begins to challenge us by conviction. Now I want to clarify terms this morning so that you're sure to understand that there is a vast difference between conviction and condemnation. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. You got that? Because you're going to need that. There's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. You see, when we come and we kneel before the Lord, He doesn't zap us. He doesn't inhibit us. But what He does is call us. He calls us upward. He calls us upward. To greater things. He called from wherever we're at. Whatever plateau of life we're in right now. Maybe we're not what we used to be. But by God's grace we're not what we're going to be. If we continue to listen to the voice and the upward call of the Holy Spirit. That would do something in our lives that would change us from glory to glory to glory into the image of his dear son. So we we look to the Lord for that help and that strength. And I I just want to say to you today that if you have issues and you recognize those things as you have, because the Holy Spirit has shown them to you, then you need to deal with them. If there are issues in your life that are holding you back, if there are things that are hindering you, they need to be dealt with. You see, once you recognize something, then it becomes your responsibility to deal with it. And much of the responsibility that we have in dealing with our issues is to inform ourselves on how to best deal with them. Because how many of you know that we can't fix ourselves? We can't fix the things that are broken in our lives. Only He can. So, over the next few weeks, I want to share with you several snapshots throughout the ministry of Christ as we take a look at the way that he dealt with and helped other people deal with their issues. Now, I love history. I love history. It doesn't take much to amuse me and much to the annoyance of my family. One of the things that, if I'm given the choice to watch on TV, is historical documentaries. Brother Wayne, you feel me, brother. All right. I love it. It, does, it. If I'm left alone, there's nothing else on to watch, I will choose that historical documentary. You can go back as far as you want to go uh, from the ancient times to more recent history, and I'll just sit there and soak it in. I love it. I love it. I've walked through the battlegrounds of Gettysburg and I've taken the tours of Colonial Williamsburg. I've marched all over Washington, D.C. and recalled the many events that have taken place there at those memorials and and those certain places across that town. And I've I've been across many of the plantation homes here uh, in this local region. And it just absolutely intrigues me the way that people have lived in the past. The way they did things, the way that they accomplished work, the social interactions that they had and the community that they shared. You know what I found in in my absorbing of history, I should say, I guess? It is rumored that there there was actually a time when people used to actually sit in chairs together on front porches and talk to one another. That's why connect groups are so great. If you're not in one, get in one. Because it gives you that opportunity to sit down and talk to one another. Okay? That is the strategic purpose. Okay? You know, some of the most brilliant minds in history never had access to a smartphone. As a matter of fact, they they didn't even have Google to help them with their homework. It's amazing, I'm telling you. So, as good as I do love history, there's one piece of history that I'm not altogether thrilled with and it's the man I used to be the man I used to be I don't like him he was a troubled individual he was messed up he was broken he was Bad seed, if you will. But here's the thing, and here's what I recognize this morning, is that it's not just me, but it is a plight that's common to man. And the truth of the matter is, as the Word says, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If there's one hobby I believe the devil has, it must be fishing. I'm glad I piqued your interest. Because it seems that his favorite pastime maybe is to fish in the sea of God's forgetfulness and drag up every charge and every fault and every shortcoming that we've ever had and come back and try to lay it on us again. I told you earlier that there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. Because you see, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and He convicts us of things. In other words, we get that little gentle nudge on the inside that says you ought not do that. You need to change. There's grace available to you. There's the power of the cross available to you to change. If you will look to Him with your weakness, then at the the point of your weakness you'll find the beginning of His strength. And this can all be changed. That's the way the Holy Spirit deals with us. But then there are times and many people mistake conviction for condemnation. Because they feel condemned about a thing. I want to tell you something today, beloved. The Holy Spirit will never condemn you. As a matter of fact, we we know John 3, 16... John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have a life everlasting. But what does that verse continue to say? We go on down 17, 18. What does it continue to say? Jesus said that I have not come to the world to condemn it. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but he came to give you life and life abundant. Oh, but the devil's fishing. The devil's fishing and he's bringing all these things back up and you feel bad. You can't sing in the choir because you're constantly reminded of the failure that you've been in the past. You come to the house of the Lord and you can't raise your hands and worship with liberty because the devil is on your shoulder telling you about everything that you messed up in the previous week. Come on, somebody. Am I alone? But there he is constantly, constantly condemning and condemning. And how many of you have ever had a call on your life You knew that God was dealing with you about something and you wanted so bad to step up and to step out but all you could hear in your mind was wait till somebody hears this about you. They'll never believe it about you because they know what you have been. They know what you were. You see, this thing called history is something that's haunting for a lot of us. In our minds, we know that God has forgiven us, but we can't forget. Daily, we're reminded by the adversary of what we were before we gave our heart to the Lord. And through this remembrance, he'll heap condemnation upon us that doesn't belong. You see, he is called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. He accuses us before God and he condemns us in our own mind. Needless to say, my my problem with finding an illustration for this thought from Scripture was not the scarcity, but the abundance of times that we see the Lord dealing with this issue surrounding the sins of someone's past. But there's one instance in particular that just, just absolutely wouldn't let me go. You see, there are so many people recorded in the Bible whose lives were absolutely wretched before they met Jesus. But all that it took was that initial contact and their lives were changed forever. One such person was a woman who had been trapped by the religious leaders of that day in the act of adultery. And she was brought before Jesus and they sought to entrap him. She was just a pawn in the grander scheme. But at the point that Jesus meets this woman, she is about to die for her sins. But can I share with you an unknown fact at that time? The unknown fact is this that Jesus was also about to die for her sins. Come on, somebody. You all know this story well. The accusers have her there and they are furious and they're shouting and they're asking Jesus all sorts of questions and they're all taking up stones because they're about to give her what she deserves. And Jesus now stooped on the ground and he's writing with his finger in the sand now stands and says this, if there's one of you without sin, let him cast the first stone. Maybe you don't think somebody who's serving in a particular post of ministry is qualified. I can tell you they are qualified because what they are is a sinner saved by God's grace just like you are. Amen. Amen. And then I love the cool, the collectiveness of Jesus here. Because he just simply turns and stoops back down and resumes writing in the sand. And one by one, we hear the thud of rocks as they're falling from the hands of the accusers to the ground. And then Jesus finally stands and asks one more time and he says, woman, where are your, con- where are your accusers? Didn't any of them condemn you? To which she replied, no, Lord. And then Jesus turns to this woman and says something that almost makes the religious part of us want to cringe you know we've been to church all our lives we've done the right things we attended Sunday school we learned all the memory verses we've kind of earned some of ours right no we feel that way sometimes We feel that way sometimes, especially when we see the grace of God manifest in the life of a person like this. But here's that woman standing there. She is guilty as charged. You understand that. She is guilty. And then Jesus says something to her that makes the religious part of us want to cringe. But that part of our lives that is so stained with sin is so glad to hear when he looks at her and says, And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more. Right there, we need the worship team to come back. And and we need to have like a praise break. How many of you think we need to institute praise breaks in this church? Come on. I need an organ player. And I need somebody to lead a praise break. Because you don't want to see my clumsy self up here dancing around, okay? But Jesus said to her neither do I go and sin no more. What? No long, drawn-out discussion about how wrong she was. No No pointing out the error in her way. Come on, Jesus. Gratify us just that little bit. Unmerited. Undeserved. Without any kind of stipulation, no fine print. The word simply says this if we confess our sins, He is faithful. And just. And will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. Come on church. Just lift the name of Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today this is what I want to share with you. That if you are dealing with sins from the past. Look to the all sufficient grace of God as the resource for dealing with those sins, whether you've been saved or whether not. Because I want to tell you something just because you get saved doesn't mean that the devil stops aggravating you. As a matter of fact, it may intensify. If you're you're not happy with with what you are right now, then I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is ready to make the greatest exchange with you. In in Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus went to the synagogue and it was his turn to read. And he rolled open that scroll and he rolled open to Isaiah chapter 61. It's recorded here in Luke chapter 4. And he says this, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm here to proclaim to you today that there are some of you that are oppressed, I didn't say possessed because light and darkness cannot indwell the same place. But you will be oppressed by your adversary and sometimes the tool that he will use is your history. Everything that you've ever done wrong, every time that you've lost your cool, every time that you didn't exhibit the right kind of attitude, every time that you missed the mark, every time that you failed or faltered, he'll be right there to remind you. But I want to tell you today, in Christ Jesus there is liberty from that because he said he had come to set at liberty those that were oppressed. And I'm telling you today, there's some of you that need to find your way to this altar and set that old man on the altar and let it go. And say, God, deliver me from the oppression of all the wrong that I've ever done. I love that illustration that Pastor Lisa used last week about people, uh, the, the wife who got historical. Yeah, so your, your adversary gets historical with you. Every time he sees opportunity. And I want to tell you today, church, he wants to give you beauty for ashes. He wants to give you the oil of joy for your sorrows. He wants to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you came in here feeling heavy this morning? How many of you, as you you walked, as they sang that song, you saw the joy on the faces of these musicians this morning and you, you saw other people worshiping and praising, but you felt a heaviness in your spirit this morning. I want to tell you something today, church. He is in this house today to set you free. Now I want to talk to the saints for a minute. You've been saved, you've been saved many years, but you're still struggling in some area in your life. You know that God has forgiven you, but somehow or another you can't let go of the past with all of its hurts and disappointments. I want to encourage you that Jesus is here for you today. The devil is accusing you of some things from your past. He's constantly reminding you that you're not what you're supposed to be. He's constantly telling you that you're a failure and that if anybody found out that you'd be done and you'd be the laughing stock of your community and your family, He's continually heaping shame and condemnation on you. But I've got a word for you this morning. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. I've heard some silly folks say that when the devil tries to remind you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. And I'm going to be honest with you, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because the truth of the matter is that he's well aware of his future. That's why he's riding your back. That's why he's after you. Oh, he doesn't need reminding of his future. He knows where he's going and he intends to break you down and take you with him. And furthermore than that, reminding him of his future isn't going to do anything to secure your present victory. I said reminding him of his future. What you need to do is remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. come on quit arguing with the devil get up and stand on your word get your praise on right in the face of your adversary come on so what do I say next oh you're gonna have to stand up you're gonna have to stand you're not gonna be able to do this sitting down You're not ready for it if you're sitting down I'm going to give you just a second So you say, Pastor, what do I say the next time the accuser comes And begins to heap that guilt and that condemnation on me What do I do about my past? What do I do about my faults? What do I do about my I'll tell you what you do You You simply say this I may not be perfect yet But it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. And what I am is that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was bound, but now by the power of the cross, I've been set free. Come on, somebody, praise God in this house. Give him praise in his sanctuary today and praise Him this morning. Won't you make that declaration? Oh, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. I once was weak, but now by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been made more than a conqueror. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.